Welcome to the latest edition of the OmniTalk Spotlight Series, where we highlight the people, the companies, and the technology that are changing the future of retail. Today, in our two-part series exploring what we have called one of the most innovative retailers in America, we are turning our spotlight once again on Sam's Club. And it is with absolute great enthusiasm that we welcome Sam's Club's CEO, Kath McClay. Kath, welcome to the show. Thanks, Chris. It's a delight to be here. Yeah, no, so, so you're pretty new in role, right? So what, what are we talking, four or five months, if I'm not mistaken? Yeah, just coming at just over five months. <laughs> Jeez, that's crazy. Well, let's start off. I'd love, before we get into the kind of everything that's happened in the world and there's so much happening, a little background. I'd love a little background about you. Let's let our audience get to know you a little bit, kind of the coming out party, so to speak. <laughs> sure. So I actually started my career in Chad County with Deloitte's and then okay. moved to Qantas, which was a national carrier mm-hmm. for Australia, mm-hmm. um, and then moved across to retail. So I was with a grocery retailer called Woolworths in Australia sure. for about 15 years. Yeah. And then uh, five years ago, I moved my family and I moved from Sydney, Australia, across to here, Bentonville, Arkansas, to join Walmart. And I've been with them for five years. Wow. And what... so. That's a big change, you know, midway, sound like, you know, into your career to some degree. Did you have any retail in your background growing up? Did you, was it a completely different sea change? Like, how did that all come about? Well, it's interesting, like, you know, um, I started working when I was 14 years and nine months. I think that's the earliest you're allowed to work in Australia. So I had okay. a job at a butcher's working Thursday night and Saturday morning, serving meat over the counter. Uh, I also worked at Just Jeans, was a jean retailer, folding apparel for a summer. So I had had a number of kind of retail jobs, uh, which gave me a little bit of insight what it's like. Um, But truly, you know, when I joined Woolworths, I mean, Woolworths is such a great retailer in Australia. And there's such a a variety of careers you can have in retail, Mm -hmm. whether you're in supply chain or you're in strategy or in replenishment. Like, I mean, there's, you can reinvent yourself (laughs) so many times over. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And what types of things did you do for Woolworths? And then when you came to Walmart, but prior to taking this role? Yeah. So at Woolworths, um, I I actually started off in audit and then I moved through and I was in supply chain. I had a role in, um, kind of, it was a project management to pull cost out of the company to reinvest in price I did some strategy, uh, I did uh, mergers and acquisitions and business development, uh, replenishment, so a whole raft of different roles. And then when I moved over here to, to Walmart, I first of all started in strategy for Walmart US. Okay. And then I moved across into supply chain and had a operational role, but also um, a role where we looked at how do we transform the movement of product really using data and tech, so mm-hmm. just really connecting the supply chain up. Mm-hmm. Um, and so did that for a number of years. And then I went into operations and led the neighborhood markets, um, okay. retail outlets. So, and then just recently moved across to Sam's. Fascinating. Okay. And so, no, and so not much merchandising then in that background too, right? So that's very different, which is something I want to key in on specifically too, because I think it's an important special sauce to some of the things I've been hearing about what you guys have been doing. So, so, okay. You started four or five, five months ago and talk about a baptism by fire. <laughs> So how has how has your job changed in this period of time? Like, what were the priorities before? How are you having to think about things now? Well, it's interesting because I thought the baptism of fire was starting at Thanksgiving, kind of Black Friday, <laughs> right. Christmas. Right. I thought that was it. And right. I thought, no, it's oh, every day now. 
<laughs> I thought I was throwing clay when that was done. Yeah. Um, who knew there was a pandemic? Yeah, right. right? <laughs> but I spent the first 100 days really um, doubling down on listening to associates. I think it's, you know, I have had many different kind of roles throughout retail and in every single one, the thing I've learned to be true is you have to really listen to the associates and to the members or customers mm -hmm. to understand what is important in that part of the business and how, as a leader, you guard and protect that and lean into it. And so that first 100 days, I spent a lot of time, you know, across in our um, offices in San Bruno and mm -hmm. Sunnyvale in Dallas, in, in here in Bentonville, as well as out in the clubs, listening to our operators and listening to our members. And, you know, what really stuck true to me during that time was there is great momentum in SANS at the moment, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but there is this kind of identity around, one, we have a great culture around looking after our associates, so our associates look after our members. And secondly, we have this muscle around innovation. And so, you know, we see ourselves as creative problem solvers who have a bias to action and an intent to lean into tech to solve problems. And so, like, that, that stood out so clearly in that first 100 days. And it's been really helpful because as you move into the pandemic, as we kind of have lent into going fast in some areas, it's helpful to lean into the culture than against the culture. Mm -hmm. And so really leaning into, okay, how do we protect our associates? How do we make sure we're looking after our members and especially those who are vulnerable and at risk at the moment? How do we make sure that we tap into this muscle of innovation and, and celebrate and praise those elements that we're doing well because people respond to that. What I'm curious, I'm, coming in, I'm curious, it's really, I'm, and I've been following you guys from afar too, so I'm curious how this lines up, but one question off the top of my mind, uh, top of my head from just you saying that, what, what specifically were like some of the cues or things that you noticed as you were doing that survey that led you to say, gosh, you know what, there's, there's an innovation, uh, just bug that runs through the core of what Sam's Club is. How did you see that so that we can potentially help other people know it when they see it too? It's just like I, and these were very informal sessions. So I would get yeah. to 10 to 15 people and I just pepper them with questions like, mm -hmm. what's our strategy? What are we proud of? What do we do well? What do you want me to know? What do I need to guard and protect? Are we truth tellers? How do we behave? And it's just through listening to those those answers and kind of sifting them. I mean, you know, the thing we're proud of, it, we always went to products we were delivering, speed mm -hmm. of, of um, solution, you know, um, some of the, the way we have kind of designed quite elegant tech solutions to solve complex problems mm -hmm. in the field. Mm -hmm. When people, when that's where they go to on the things that they feel proud of, you mm -hmm. know that that goes to kind of their identity and culture. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And what were some of those, like, I think just out of curiosity, what were some of the like tech solutions specifically where you're like, oh yeah, that really struck a chord with me. And I could see that making people on the front lines lives better, whether it be the employees or actually the customers themselves. So Sam's Garage is one of them. And so, you know, I don't know if you're familiar with Sam's Garage. Please. But, I mean, it's a, a we, the, the teens used to have like a, uh, I think, you know, there was like six different systems that they had to go to. And to actually serve a member when they came up to schedule them, um, you know, it, it would take like 25 minutes. And so the tech team were able to bring that down onto an app and really make it like a very easy to solve solution that basically you didn't need training to do. So any, any associate could basically pick up the app and schedule somebody in for a service mm -hmm. and, you know, um, take into account what vehicle they were driving and kind of what accessories they would need. 
And just taking all that complexity and distilling it down to simplicity, I think is the, the kind of secret source behind some of the tech solutions we've delivered in the field. And, you know, I think one of our listening sessions, we spent half an hour just talking about that solution. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, there's Ask Sam, which is the capability for the associates to be able to just on a device ask a question like, who's rostered to come in today? Who's turned up? How do I lay, lay out this kind of planogram? You know, all just very simple questions that previously we would have had to have gone to a, you know, um, a leader or go back to the office, et cetera. The solutions are right there in their hands. Yeah. And you're, and you're seeing it and you're hearing them talk about it too. One thing I want to ask you is I had the chance to interview your, your chief product officer, Eddie Garcia too. And he discussed something that I thought it sounded really unique to me. Uh, and my hunch is it's probably, it was probably somewhat neat, unique to you coming into the position you're in too, which is his role also from an innovation perspective is very broad. So he's not, he's not the chief product officer that you typically find in an organization where they're, oh, they're over here in the corner and they're running the website. He actually is responsible for how all the technology comes together across the website, the store operations, the supply chain, which is tremendous, something we espouse completely. It's tremendous, but very different. So how, how, did you, how did you approach that or how do you think about that whole thing now uh, as in your role and as you look at that from a CEO perspective? Yeah, I mean, I, I actually think um, Eddie's role um, as kind of our chief product officer is so vitally important to us continuing to transform. And, you know, I do think there's a really important element of tech being in that. But I want to go broader than that and say, you know, when he's designing a solution, he also has to be very aware of what's the fixtures that we use. Yep. How do we train the associates? Yep. What's that kind of, you know, cognitive and emotional experience a member's going to have when they walk into that part of the club and engage with that technology, with that associate? And so he has to be very, very broad in understanding kind of the space and that whole ecosystem of what mm-hmm. comes into play for a member's experience when they're in, in the club. Yeah, we talked about that too, how it's really the blend. It's it's not just digital, right? The great experience design where you're talking about is the blend of digital, human, and the physical architectural elements that are coming together too. You've got to always have those three things top of mind. I want to put you on the spot a little bit with that. Do you, if, if you put your kind of fortune teller's hat on, will we see more companies move in this direction where they are thinking about product in that way, in that consolidated fashion? Like, Would that be your recommendation for, I guess, other people in your role? Or how do you think about that? Well, I mean, I think it's something that I think is um, kind of delightful about Sam, <laughs> and I think it's a capability that we no have that awesome. I don't know that I want everyone else to like get on board with. <laughs> Let's just keep it in the Walmart family. So it's a little bit of a secret sauce. That's great. That's great. That's good. It's one we've been talking about for a while, so that's fun to hear. And I did not expect you to just say delightful. So. All right, well, let's turn our attention to COVID here for a second. So you talked about how you kind of got a sense of Sam's Club and, and you know, what you, the, the hands you were dealt, essentially. Um, how have things changed for you? What was the job like? I don't know where we are with this whole thing now, five, six, seven weeks ago. And what are you focused on now? Yeah, so I think we quickly pivoted to kind of three kind of horizons. So first of okay. all, how do we look after the safety of our associates and members? That's like the first one that was um, highest priority for everyone. Then secondly, how do we adapt in a COVID world to make sure that we're serving members where we need to? And then lastly, how do you reimagine the future? So they're the Mm. kind of three horizons we've been working across. That first one um, is extraordinarily important to get right. And, you know, it's 
you know, as we've been working through this, I think that, you know, the whole of America and the world has been working through it, you know. Um, so you're trying to work out, like even if you just think about masks, it wasn't clear up front, was masks important day mm-hmm. one? So, you know, you're trying to work it out, trying to make sure that we can get access to them and trying to make sure you're keeping your associates safe. So it's been a very, it's it's really evolved over the period of time. But, you know, we've done a lot to really focus on that first horizon. How do we change operating hours to set associates up for success out in the field. Um, that, you know, those first few days, the volumes or first few weeks, the volumes are extensive. So you really needed time to recover the club to be able to be able to serve the following day. So we changed the operating hours. You know, we had um, a lot of changes around PPE, masks, gloves, mm-hmm. et cetera. Um, you know, we've got a check-in procedure where we have to um, survey our associates before they come to work, take their temperature, give them the, the masks and gloves, et cetera. And, you know, we've had, we've got thousands of mandates that, you know, roughly 600 clubs have thousands of mandates that they have to make sure they're complying with. And so you've got all of this kind of change in process and complexity coming out um, that we've got to distill down to the field. And, you know, we've really had to lean into a lot of kind of tech solutions to support that. Mm -hmm. So with all of those mandates, um, one of the teams set up this mandate tracker so you can basically click on any club on a map and see, okay, for this club, these are the mandates we have to comply with, whether it's product that we can't sell, whether it's masks, whether it's times, whether it's metering associates into the, sorry, um, members into the club. You've got all of this complexity and we had to work out a way to hold the complexity upstream to really give some of the simplicity to the field because there's so much change coming at them at this time, as well as having to turn up every day and, you know, serve our members and look after them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I should have asked you this too, just to set the context too, because there, there's a pretty big scale involved here too. So how many locations are we talking about here, Kath? So it's roughly 600. So 599 five, five to be. 599. Okay. Yeah. We'll, we'll round up. That's fine. That's fine. How are you managing that? I mean, I think that's, I mean, you know, you're fairly new in the role and like, okay, I got to manage this to, to my style, the way it's, it's got to work for me. And still, I still need to do what everyone's asking of me. Like what types mm-hmm. of things are you doing to you make sure that, you know, all that is happening at scale and that the communication is getting out in the right way. How, how have you had to change the way you work? So we actually put in place, I know it seems fairly simple, but we put in place a daily catch-up with the leadership team. Yeah. So all of the different um, leaders for an hour and a half, like seven days a week, and it just meant that we stayed aligned and we're all moving in the, in the same direction. And we did that for the first, I think it was like four weeks. We've now dropped back to every second day, um, but it enabled us to go fast. I think you were talking to Eddie yesterday about the concierge app, right? Yeah, absolutely. that was actually going to be my next question. Yep. Uh, if, uh, I'll just to quickly talk about that. I mean, we were looking at how do you, what are those vulnerable member, um, mm-hmm. groups of our membership base and how do we look after them? And, you know, we were, look, we were thinking about those who are at risk and we were... You know, and we knew another and a number of other retailers were doing senior hours, and we sat there and we thought, well, what's how would we want to be treated if we were that member? How would we want our parents or grandparents to be treated? And I, you know, I think I talked a little bit about member centricity before. I think at the heart of member centricity is being very empathetic around your your members' um, situation, and taking that lens, we said actually. I think what we'd want to do is be able to serve them in a way that makes them feel safe and maybe that's staying in their vehicle. And so we threw out the challenge and, you know, I talked before bias to action and go to tech for solutions. 
So the operators were like, just give me a pen and a sheet of paper. I can make this work. Right. And then the tech guys are like, okay, you know, there's a, the engineering group were like, I think we can come up with a product to solve this. And within six days, we were launching it kind of nationwide. And um, really, it's, it's kind of personal shopping. And it's those members who just kind of hadn't embraced club pickup, but mm-hmm. we still know they needed to be served. Mm-hmm. And so basically they drive up to the club and we serve them in their vehicle in a contactless way. Um, and we're learning so much about membership behaviour around, um, you know, just this is a new product for us and trying to work out, okay, how do we play with this moving forward? Yeah, that the it. I remember Eddie said that like six for you guys to do that in six days too, and just to set the context. You know the way it works is like correct me if I'm wrong. I think Tuesday and Thursday there's dedicated times people come in. Architecture elements come into this too. You pull into an assigned parking space. Uh, Sam's Club employee comes out, comes out, talks to the member, says, "What do you need?" They go in and pick whatever they've asked for. And uh, Eddie said, "I think it's taken generally around 16 minutes to complete an order." So. Pretty impressive in just six days. I know Ann was texting me as he was talking that my partner saying, holy cow, I need to start using this. So that's pretty fast. But well, let's I I, I want to maybe touch on two things there. Maybe we'll segue off of this. So I think one of the important questions here too is you can't get caught up in just the short term of how do you just manage to all those mandates all the time. So how do you still keep in perspective? And it's one thing I've always admired, you may even go back to your predecessor. What is Sam's Club going to be in the long run and still designing to that with all of this going on? Like, how, do, how are you keeping that all in, in perspective? Yeah, and that's probably that third horizon that I was mm-hmm. talking about. And it's just trying to look at what are those macro trends that we really need to make sure we keep our eye on. So, like, contactless, you know, is, yeah. is going to accelerate exponentially. So, you know, fantastic that we've got Scan and Go. And right. we have seen the growth in Scan and Go over this kind of period of time just accelerate. And so, what else can we add to Scan and Go to continue to enhance that? Um, and and how do we migrate more members onto it? Because once members get onto it, they never ever go back. So contactless <laughs> is really really important. The other one is just really how do we accelerate um, the way we serve members through Club Pickup. So yes. we have club pickup in all of our sites, but we've only got 16 where we're doing curbside. So how quickly can we flip the fleet to, to um, curbside? Mm. And then, you know, the, the um, demand around direct to home is growing exponentially as well mm-hmm. too. So how do we expand capacity? How do we use the clubs as, as effective like little fulfilment centres? Mm-hmm. So mm. really just looking at how do we kind of pivot um, and make sure that we're still meeting, serving the members where they want to be served, mm-hmm. whether that's at home, whether that's mm-hmm. driving to the club, or whether that's walking into the club. Yeah, to that point, I mean, some of the things that some of you know some of the other grocers are doing are starting to convert stores to pickup only or maybe delivery only. Are those some of the types of things you guys are also looking at to help you understand the evolution? It's an interesting time because you can experiment as well, yes. uh, more yeah. so than you could before. So, yeah, how, how does that play into things? So we, we did actually close one club and flip it to club pickup only. Okay. So we decided that this was just a muscle that we needed to build and the best way to do it was to accelerate that in one location and then take those learnings and work out how do we expand it across. And so we've got one club, so the guys had to deliver, it's called Quick Pick, which is our oh. you know, tool to be able to pick internally in the, in the club. And so, again, you know, that's another one where we threw that at the engineers. We need you to stand that up. And I think, you know, six days was the longest that any product took during this, this COVID period. 
So every other product that I've looked at us releasing, it's been four days, three days. So like we have a, an in-club um, counter because we're having to meter in the number of members. Mm-hmm. And so I think that was a three-day turnaround to actually create that so that I've got a, a, an associate at the door counting the people who come in and someone on the exit. Right. And so just all of these tools that, you know, are being launched to support <laughs> the associates in the field. And it's amazing. And I, I have to give credit to my engineering team. That's not three days that are like eight-hour days. Oh, right. Like, you know, I, I get a lot of to say, we finished it at 2 a.m. in the morning. Right. Yeah, that's, that's a lot of Red Bull and uh, and headphones, headphone wearing yes. uh, as they're wired in. But, yeah, no. Well, I mean. I think the other thing that's key to that, and I didn't expect you to have that laundry list of things as I asked that question, you know, quite frankly. And so, you know, one of the things I just come back to, and it's also endemic to, I think, what what we believe at Army Talk, which is the, the mindset of having kind of a lab mentality throughout everything that you do and always having something ongoing in that regard is important. So talk to us about Sam's Club now. So you come into role, you've got this incubation, almost quote unquote, concept store. You're doing some other things too, but tell us what your thoughts are on that and how does that play into your kind of designs for the future? Yeah, I feel like that's a little secret weapon right there. I do so too. It's this, it, it is this And so many people great. don't do it. Yeah. It doesn't make sense to me, but yeah. So I was talking about Scan and Go before. Um, mm-hmm. We are seeing like, you know, intense acceleration in that space. And, you know, we've had periods of time where our, scan and go baskets are bigger than our belted baskets so you know in in a normal retail kind of frame you would say your your belted baskets are your biggest then your self-checkout then your scan and go right well we're seeing that flip and members are really engaging with this product and so we know that there's ways to make it simpler if potentially we had item vision and so we use that sands club now to test and really kind of build out these capabilities around item vision, et cetera, um, you know, there, there's lots of things that we're playing in that space. Um, and, you know, I, I see us playing with them there, building it out, making it robust, and then rolling it to churning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's, so, so that's an approach too. I mean, gosh, we've hit on a couple of things. Like we've talked about overall product strategy, but having kind of a lab environment to do that, you think that helps significantly too as you try to get faster and roll these types of things out, huh? It does, it does. And, you know, I'd also say there's, it creates a sense of excitement within yes. the team as well too. I think that's really important mm-hmm. to have things that people kind of, I think Eddie calls them um, lighthouse kind of moments. Mm-hmm. And so it's things that lift people's eyes above the horizon and, and you know, give you something to hope for. That's a good point. No one's ever said that before, actually, when we've talked to people. I think, yeah, having knowing where you're going. No one ever wants to take a trip without really knowing where they're going. I mean, you just need to know that. And I think, I think that's an un- or a not well understood tool of the retail CEO today to be able to use that type of thing to very quickly and easily say to the entire company, really probably more than anybody, Hey, you can kind of see where we're heading down the road. It's always in front of you if you want to see it. So yeah, kudos to you for saying that. That's cool. All right. Well, that was awesome. I got to get you out of here on this. How millennial are you? Are you ready for this? Let's go. All right. The first question, these are always a little fun in these COVID times, but when the option is available, say you're shopping at your, say a grocery store, Walmart, whatever, are you pulling out a credit card or are you using some type of mobile payment? That is like such an easy question for <laughs> me because I always use scan and go. Yeah. Like, you can't go back, <laughs> right? You said that. It's like you can't go back. 
I can't, yeah. I can't shop physical retail anymore because I know how you can do that. And it just, I can't go away yeah. and it stinks. Yeah, so you're the same And I'm going to tell you too, it becomes a whole family activity because the kids want to do it. Like who's got the phone? So, I mean, once you start doing it and then, you know, I also, so previously was at Neighbourhood Markets, Walmart Pay is also similarly wonderful yes. as well. So yeah, you guys I think yeah. they're my two go-tos. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they just rolled that out too. Yeah, um, yeah. Eddie, I coordinated scan and go. I don't know if Eddie's listening, but maybe that's the next thing on the roadmap. All right, question two. In the last week, and maybe maybe we'll talk about this pre and post COVID. How often were you ordering food or drinks on a mobile app? Yeah, I mean, if you think the last week, I feel like my world has been this room. So, like, the only way I'm ordering is I'm texting my kids. Can you bring me water? Can I have a cup of coffee? <laughs> but that's about as millennial as it gets in the household. <laughs> that, that's pretty millennial. You got in-home gophers. I like that. That works well. That works. That is but very I'd also, I'd also say, like, it's been interesting just, like, you know, a slight tangent, but small businesses, yeah. Yeah. watching how they have all kind of pivoted. So there's a lot of small businesses here around here, and you can go on Instagram and see what they're offering today for dinner and then call them and then drive by and, and, and buy um, curbside. And so, you know, it's interesting. Everybody's just changing their business model a little bit. And I think it's extraordinarily important that we support local businesses. Yeah, 100%. And, yeah, you're seeing the ingenuity kind of rise to the top here on a lot of this, which, uh, you know, is fantastic. It's, it's a real fun time to be in retail, actually, to see what can come out of this from all these different types of experimentation. All right, last question. I cannot wait to hear the answer on this, especially with kids at home. <laughs> If you could only use one social app, what would it be and why? Uh, I have to say I'm an Instagram person. You are? Okay. Yes. Why? Yes. Um, it's a little bit about, um, so obviously I want to stay in contact with family and friends back in Australia. It's a great way to get a little window into, you know, kind of how the kids are growing, et cetera. Sure. Um, but I also think it's helpful to follow different thought leaders Um, And, you know, in my role, it's really important to follow certain business thought leaders, but I also think it's really important to follow other personalities and just kind of see what's on their mind and what's going on in community and society. So I have a bit of an eclectic bunch of people that I like to kind of follow and, yeah, it keeps life interesting. I'm going to put in another plug, though. Oh, okay. use Workplace. Mm. So Workplace is our internal kind of Facebook kind of within Sam's Club. And I have to say, during this kind of period, it has been, you know, hilarious to watch the teams. Like, they celebrate items that they're really excited about. They celebrate kind of associates that have done great things. But we've lent into this thing called the hand wash challenge. So we've been trying to get it instilled in everyone's hands. One of the most important things is wash your hands, don't touch your face. Mm -hmm. And so the teams have been challenging each other for a 20-second kind of TikTok or whatever it is on washing your hands and people are doing these outrageous dances, TikTok dances and a whole bunch of things just to make it fun and real. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I actually think a lot of these social media things are a great way to connect, particularly now. I, yeah, we've talked a lot on our program about how TikTok and kind of the role of the store employee and how those two things could merge and, and, and kind of create new spaces. If, if Anne were with me today, what any guilty pleasure follows on Instagram that you wouldn't want people to know about? Any, any Anything that you're willing to go on record with there? That you want me to share? Oh, yeah, of course. That I wouldn't want people to know about <laughs> Of course, of course. <laughs> I would say I have this little group of um, Australian um personalities that Sweet. I follow is my little injection of Australian and it's like Bindi Irwin. Oh yeah, it's, yeah, 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 for yeah. sure. It's Hugh Jackman, 
Yep. It's um, Nick Cave. He's a he's a uh, musician. Um, you know, and you know, there's there's a whole bunch of them. They're, they're a little like that's that's my little Australian injection every so often. Keeps you close to home. It keeps keeps you close to home. All right, that was awesome. I think you did pretty well. I think you did pretty well. Better than most on the game. So nice work. Nice work. Um, all right, before we go, I do have to ask you, um, with everything that's happening um, and things are just changing by the moment and there's just a ton of imperfect information that all of us are trying to act on within the industry to keep employees and customers safe, as people are out in the field either working or shopping, if people are seeing things, they want to give feedback, and this is my main reason for doing this, if they want to give feedback to you at Sam's Club, what is the best way for them to have everything bubble up to the top? They should go to samsclub.com and then on the side, there's a little feedback tab. Just hit that tab and it'll allow you to give us feedback. Perfect, I wanna make sure everyone knows how to do that and exactly where to go. So, Kath, thank you so much for being with us today. This has been a ton of fun. Hope we get to do it again. Uh, again, this has been Kath McClay, the CEO of Sam's Club. This concludes our two-part series focus on them, which I think after you listen to this conversation again, for all those out there, one of the most innovative retailers in America. So again, Kath, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you, Chris. That was great. All right. And like always, to everyone out there, be careful out there.